Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
It's always good to hear some hootie during worship. Let us pray. Come swiftly, God, to us and turn our face toward our brothers, toward our sisters. Turn us toward one another so that we may catch a better glimpse of you. For we need you now, God. We need you in our midst. Instruct us in ways that are just and able to create true peace. We confess, all of us, confess that we have acted selfishly and we have judged our neighbors and we have demonized one another and we have acted in fear and hate instead of love. So we ask you, O Lord, forgive us. Make us better. Hear us now as we pray silently. The gift of our faith is one that we do not deserve. Through Jesus alone, we are forgiven. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we must try again. Beloved, live in peace. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Good morning, Downtown Church. This is William Otis wishing you a happy Sunday from the Otis family. Hope everybody's had a great fall and is looking forward to a wonderful holiday season. And I hope that one day we can get back together again and worship the way we used to. But until that time, please stay safe and God bless you all.
We interrupt this holy interruption to tell you about something new that we're doing as a community. Lucas, can you tell us? Yeah, we're going to try something. Um, We're going to be sending uh, letters and postcards to one another, um, showing words of care and um, trying to continue to build this community during some hard um, and somewhat lonely times. So we invite you to click on the button on our website that says postcard, and you can write a note of encouragement to someone in our community. Um, If you want to write to someone by name, you can share their name and mailing address. But if you just want to write uh, a message of encouragement and kindness, we will, the downtown church staff will write it out and send it away and just try to spread the love um, during this time uh, when we all could use a little more love in the world. That's exactly right. Thank you for your help spreading the love. Let's do it together. Yeah. Thanks, downtown church. Before I read today's scripture from the Gospel of John, I'd like to give a little context of where we find ourselves in the Gospel story. Um, Jesus has died. Um, And just before what we're about to read, Jesus appears to all of the disciples except for Thomas. And now we find ourselves, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 28. Hear now God's word for us today. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other's disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand and his side, I will not believe. A week later, His disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, My God, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I feel bad for Thomas. He follows Jesus for years. I bet he did a lot of good during his tour as a disciple. He participated in healings. He cared for the sick, sat with the dying, fed the hungry, and did so learning from God in the flesh. Simply put, as one of the 12 disciples, Thomas contributed much to the early church and to Jesus's ministry. But He is remembered for one thing. He doubted. We've got Alexander the Great, Richard the Lionheart, Jesus the Christ, and then Thomas the Doubter. Doubting Thomas. Poor guy. All because Thomas has doubts of Jesus's resurrection. But his doubts are understandable. Why would he believe in something so wild? 
just days before he saw Jesus's public execution. His last image of Jesus was a dead body hanging from a cross. There had been rumors around of other people seeing Jesus since then, but Jesus had yet to appear to Thomas. So he has his doubts. We have our doubts. We have fears about the future of our country, about the division within our nation, our communities, our churches, and even our families, about the global pandemic, our jobs, our livelihoods, and how long this all is going to last. But what I find especially fascinating in the story is not what Thomas does alone. It is what the disciples as Christ's beloved community do together. What if we move the focus of this story from Thomas's individual doubt to the community's pastoral response? to move our walk of Christian discipleship from individual to communal. We see that all the disciples, upon seeing a resurrected Christ, exclaim, we have seen the Lord. Can't you sense the joy in that statement? It's like the joy of hearing the cancer is gone. Your baby is healthy. You've got the job. It's new life. It's resurrection. There's exuberance and relief in knowing that Jesus, their friend, their rabbi who had suffered a long, painful death, was alive. They're happy. And they deserve to be. But does Thomas react with joy? Is Thomas in agreement with his buddies? Does he believe them? Do they all start singing kumbaya and hold hands? No, they don't. Thomas says, I will not believe. I need to see it. Until Jesus reveals himself to me, until I share your experience and I can tangibly feel Jesus's presence, then I cannot and will not agree with you. And I get it. Thomas didn't see Jesus. Thomas reminds us that sometimes experience is the best teacher. I imagine there was some real tension within the conversation between Thomas and the crew. The disciples' emotions were running pretty hot And you've had those conversations, haven't you? Maybe recently with friends, loved ones, neighbors, church members. The kinds of conversations that are not constructive, where things are not resolved, where two sides were polarized, hardened, and remained divided. At least for now. So how do the disciples respond to this tension? To Thomas's disbelief? Is that the last we see of Thomas? 
as he left behind and banished away from the disciples? Well, no. What is so vitally important in this day and age is how verse 26 begins. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. A week later, Thomas was with them. One week after this disagreement on a pretty huge issue. Y'all, this isn't debating Clemson versus USC, Publix versus Piggly Wiggly. This is debating the life of the risen Lord, the victory over death, the resurrection of the body. And they disagreed. But yet they gathered back together. Where resentment, hostility, and exclusion could have grown. Instead, Christ's messy community stood and grew together. A week later, Thomas was with them. It probably would have been easier to exclude him. It always is. For the disciples to look down upon Thomas, call him out, label him. For them to simply move on and keep following Jesus without any doubters or dissenters in their midst. Our very own Reverend Charles Weathers talks about how when problems arise, we as humans like to blame those people. You've done it. Thomas could have become one of those people. One of those people who don't have as great a faith as I do. One of those people who just keep messing up the plan of Jesus. One of those people who just don't get it. Humanity has a tendency to exclude, but Christ compels us to see differently. The Pharisees liked exclusion, but Christ, Christ liked a party, a crowded table, a room full of outcasts, tax collectors, and fishermen, Jews and Gentiles. Rather than exclusion, the disciples chose physical presence and pastoral care. A week later, Thomas was with them. But I wonder what Thomas was thinking during that week between his confrontation with the disciples and his encounter with Christ. I mean, I'm picturing him lying in bed, thinking to himself, why did Jesus appear to everyone else but not me? I bet he felt alone. Maybe he didn't sleep well that week. Anyone else been losing sleep besides me? Anyone else feel alone? Thomas didn't know what would come next. And neither do we. It's why we have to care for people now. We have to remind ourselves that it's okay to be afraid and to doubt. We are complicated human beings, just like Thomas. 
One of the best things Jesus modeled in his ministry was to look at a person and see them as a person, as someone made in God's image and care for them. He does so here again with Thomas, giving him the closure that Thomas needed, letting him feel his wounds and be close to his friend. A week later, Thomas was with them. Let me be clear though, I really don't think resurrection is all that comfortable. There's nothing comfortable about taking our hands and feeling the wounds of a crucified, beaten, bloody body. For my reading of the Bible, I don't think Jesus was all that interested in cheap comfort. Rather, Jesus was interested in costly salvation. As downtown church strives to follow Jesus, to walk towards the beloved kingdom boldly, we are going to experience some discomfort. All of us. Some more than others. And in those moments of pain, of struggle, is precisely when grace and care are needed. when we'll need to receive grace and be cared for. And when we'll need to give grace, looking beyond ourselves and care for someone else. Christ gives freely. Jesus doesn't leave people behind. He brings them along. He brings Thomas along. A week later, Thomas was with them. I realize that to dream up this type of community in our current world might seem naive or unlikely. And it might be. But Christianity invites us to believe in the impossible. It challenges us to look beyond our current sinful, broken reality to be like Moses and climb up Mount Nebo to see over yonder into the promised land of God, into the land where love unifies us, into the land where all are fed and nourished, into the land where, as that old gospel says, we don't have to study war no more, into the land where we live up to the call that all people are created equal in God's image, into the land where Christ greets us in our fear and says, peace be with you. Resurrection doesn't make sense. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them. If you're like me, the doors feel shut right now. They just do. The election might be over, but the division is still very present. Doors seem shut, communities are tense, but Christ still shows up. We might not see this beloved community clearly yet. It might not even be on our horizon, but we must have faith that we'll get there. As Jesus tells Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet have come to believe.
when I began working as an intern at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, the head pastor, Tony, told me that I needed to join a men's group. He said it would help me get a better feel for the church. So as a 24-year-old seminary student, I joined the Monday morning men's group. This group has been meeting for years and years and is made up of 20 or so faithful men of the church, mostly in their 40s, 50s, and beyond. They meet at 7.30 in the morning in the bridal suite next to the sanctuary. Whether it was Walter leading us through Galatians, Paul giving his thoughts on Ruth, Knox teaching us about Esther, or Tim offering up some much-needed prayers, we gathered every week. In March of this past year, COVID forced the group to start meeting um, online via Zoom. And because of this, even now, living in Columbia, I have joined back in most Mondays and get to hear the good word with some old friends. We study the Bible. We talk politics. We argue over current events. And we spend time praying for one another. We share the pains that are eating us. The struggles physically and mentally that require the care of friends and the healing power of prayer. We care for one another. The thing is, we don't always agree. In this past year, especially when the pandemic and issues of race entered into the mix. But week after week, we kept showing up. We kept praying for each other, believing that Christ works within the messy discourse of our lives, that Christ transforms our minds, especially when our minds are seemingly set in stone, that Christ bursts into the locked rooms of our hearts to move within us so we can boldly walk together towards the promised land of God. And maybe it's the old guys from First Prez rubbing off on me. But during this past week, I spent time reading speeches of Abraham Lincoln. At the time of his presidency, his voice was prophetic and powerful. Lincoln gave his second inaugural address on April 4th, 1865, days before the United States of America would defeat the Confederacy days before he would be assassinated and die. When he could have bragged of his success or spoke of his military victory or even perpetuated hatred and exclusion of the other, he instead spoke of God's providence and his hopes for the reconciliation of the nation. In his six-minute speech, Lincoln quotes words of Jesus the psalmist, and the letter of James. In his final sentences, he writes this. With malice towards none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish 
a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Lincoln used his platform to speak words of care. Care for a nation that lost 600,000 to a war that nearly tore us apart. Thomas needed care. The disciples needed to care for one another. And they did. And Jesus showed up. Jesus brought the peace they were all longing for. Now we have to care for one another. It's been a tough year and we have a long road ahead while Lincoln says, as we strive to finish the work we are in, as we strive together as a messy church with different opinions, with different doubts and fears, but with the same savior, Jesus Christ, or in the words of Thomas, my Lord, my God. With fear and hope, joy and anxiety, the disciples gathered together. And Thomas was with them. Christ was with them. Doubters, saviors, peacemakers, caretakers, and everything in between. May they be with us as well. Amen. Sing
Lucas, that was a good word. Well, I appreciate it, Don. It was uh, definitely a therapeutic word to write this week, mm. a sermon that I needed to hear. Those are sometimes the, the ones we got to write, you oh, know? Yeah. the ones we as preachers really need to hear. Yeah. I, I think that's how the Holy Spirit works within us sometimes. It's right. constantly reminding us that we're all unfinished, all works in progress, and mm. all need to hear the good word and hear it anew. Yeah. I appreciate uh, the work you did around communities that are divided. Um, And this line that you say really is sticking with me. I'm processing it now. You say, experience is the best teacher. And I'm thinking about um, Thomas and how he missed out on this experience that made him other and separate and different. And I'm thinking about like, okay, if you're USC fan, like you have a particular experience of being a USC fan that's different from being a Clemson fan and all of that anyway. And the question I have for you is, how do you suggest that we share more experiences? Mm. I think storytelling is a really amazing way, but I think it's the just relationships and being um, in proximity with one another, which makes this whole like coronavirus thing difficult. But mm. I think about Thomas was with them and Thomas spent time with them, even though they had different experiences. Because the only way we can learn about other people's experiences is listening. Mm. I think we're in a a day and age where we're not the best listeners. We're a lot better at speaking than we are listening. And I think just spending time with people and listening to their stories and listening without judgment, but listening with uh, curiosity, listening Mm. with this holy curiosity that invites us to ask why or how, what was that like? Tell me more knowing that we're never going to fully understand someone's experience, but we can try to understand it better. Yeah. What What do you think about like sharing a joke or sharing like going to get ice cream together, like intentionally kind of building shared experiences that way? What do you think about that? Oh, that sounds awesome. I want to get ice cream. Yeah. Because I was thinking about like those are ways that we feel like we belong, right? That we feel like we're not alone when we're in on the inside of a joke or a story, even like the downtown church story as it's evolving, like bringing people in and making sure that we're sharing the experience that it's not just of one group of people that have been here for a long time, you know, and, um, but it takes intentionality, I think, to say, hey, Lucas, let's go get ice cream. And then we're going to have different experiences, right? Because probably going to get different flavors, you know? I'm getting chocolate probably dipped in the cake batter mix. At the okay, Rosewood well, Dairy I might Bar. get that too, that actually. Yeah, sounds that sounds really good. Really good. <laughs> but yeah, I like to think the disciples um, had so much trans- times of transformation just in that casual time of just doing things, of telling jokes, of telling stories, of eating food together. Um, mm. and, and and it's messy and they didn't always agree. And it's, that's what I thought about with my first Prez guys is we didn't always agree on everything, but we spent time together. And creating new experiences. Yeah, yeah. And, and shared with one another. Mm-hmm. which was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It still is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. And Thomas was with them. God, you remind us that we have the capacity to share experiences. We have capacity to learn from each other's stories and to carry one another's burdens. 
Thomas was with them. God, you teach us to love one another, especially those we find hard to love, those we disagree with or are offended by or feel threatened by. Teach us your ways, O Lord, for ours do not measure up. And Thomas was with them. We pray, O Lord, for those in need of your comfort this day, for those who are suffering, battling cancer, living through trauma and grief. We pray for kids who are suffering from anxiety and depression, who are regressing. We pray for those who are isolated, who don't feel like they belong anywhere. We pray for those who fear for their life. And we give thanks, O Lord, for doctors and nurses and surgeons and firefighters and social workers and police officers and teachers and leaders. Give us wisdom to see past each other's titles and self-proclaimed labels so that we can better see you. Thomas was with them, Lord, and you were with Thomas. You are with us. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, as we come to this time for the Apostles' Creed, where together we affirm our faith, I was thinking it's a good example of um, a way that as a community we practice unity, even when we disagree. At Downtown Church, when we say the Apostles' Creed together during worship, we make it clear that if there's a part of this theology, this statement that you don't agree with or you're not ready to say yet, don't say it. And trust that um, someone around you can and will. The practice of saying this same creed over our lifetime gives the pathway to share experience and to grow in our faith and in unity. So beloved community, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Savior Pilate 
Friends, a week later, Thomas was with them. Thomas was cared for. Let us now care for one another. Care for the souls of this community, of this church, of this nation. Let us do so following the one who goes before us, Jesus the Christ. As we leave this place, may our hearts be transformed by the moving of God's spirit and the love of a God who we cannot quite comprehend. Peace of Christ be with you all. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me slash give. Or if you'd like to give an insecure gift, you can drop it off in a sketchy box, unmarked envelope, or large metal briefcase to 2030 Greg Street between the hours of 9 and 5. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Zan DeBose, Joe Hanna, Van Anderson, and Sean Thompson. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. The Age of Worry, written by John Mayer and reimagined by Madison Cunningham. And Jesus Savior Pilot Me by John Gould. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.